0: I'm so excited to be able to share with you guys this morning, preach from the Word, and uh, thank you for joining us online. Uh, if you have not been to Bethel and you are joining us online for the first time, come on out. Join us here on campus. We'd love to have you. If uh, you're at home sick or watching, um, come back soon. We, let, we, we want you here, so it's important to be here and gathered here. Uh, as I share this morning uh, most of you may know that uh, that I had hip replacement in uh, May of this year, and uh, during that time, uh, before that, my my body just was not working correctly, and uh, my joints and my ligaments and muscles. I I just knew there was something wrong. Um, I have psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis, and I just live I'm part of that every day, take medicine for that, but there was just something different that was happening with me, and at first it was, it was subtle, and it just kind of an annoyance that was there, and, but then it became more and more a, of a problem, and a big problem in my life, and it affected me. It affected the way that I walked. It affected my mobility. It affected my demeanor, uh, it affected my willingness to, to do things and be able to do things, and it ultimately affected my attitude. And uh, really, it was, it was out of whack. That's a technical term, by the way, a medical term. Uh, but sometimes, the, the body of Christ is, is just like this. We get, we get out of whack with one another, right? And uh, But you know what? I am so proud of Bethel. I know that our staff is. I know that Pastor Tim is. um, And just over this last few weeks and uh, month, hearing about how community groups have come together to do disaster relief with one another, reaching people, serving people, my community group, um, we've just had some some health things with parents and being able to lift each other up to the Lord and pray for one another and pray for each other's families. And it's just meant so much to myself and just with my mom and her health and, and being able to just hear about community group celebrating baptism and birthdays. We just watched the Borths get baptized this morning uh, from last week, and I I just want to read to you uh, what she wrote on our Bethel Facebook page. It says, Ron and I would like to thank everyone who attended our baptism. Special thanks to Martin and uh, Holly Clark for assisting us in preparation for our exciting day. We are very fortunate to have family, such as Bethel, to have welcomed us with open arms. We are now ready to complete our journey with your help in God's hands. Amen. Man, that is so exciting to hear her write those words. And I know that that's Ron's heart as well. And also uh, getting to see pictures on Facebook of, of women's huddles gathering together to play together. I think there were two groups that got together and had a pool day uh, at the swimming pool. And, and it's just awesome to be able to see those things. And and God is at work. He's at work in many ways here at Bethel. And I'm so excited about that. And we may get cross with one another. We may get out of whack. But I am so grateful and thankful for this series that we've preached on and being able to cornerstone, put, put an end to this, this series and preached this morning, but God is at work in ways that we don't even know about, and I could spend all day just sharing stories of how God's at work, and I know that you could as well, and I'm just grateful and thankful for that, and as the body, we're living life together. We're living life together and um, in relationship with one another. And that's so, so very cool. And Pastor Tim, he has beautifully prepared us for this week's sermon as he's walked through this uh, series for the church. And um, um, we're going to talk about living life together this morning. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. You can turn there in your Bibles. And in this passage, Paul emphasized some things that uh, can help us to live life together. First and foremost, that honors one another and then helps us to become more like Christ in the process. So let's read together Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be uh, reading 1 through 16. And then we'll pray over his word as we hear from him today. Uh, Starting with verse 1, it says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, building up of the body of Christ until we all reach maturity, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. By human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as only you can, and Lord, that your Holy Spirit would prompt us to know you and love you in a greater way, to be changed by you, to be on mission with you. Father, we thank you. First in Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we share this morning, as I talk share with you about living life together. I think there's uh, something really integral that that Paul shares right here at the beginning of this passage, and and you can see it all throughout this whole passage that I just read, but uh, relationship is vitally important in the church and in the body. And Paul emphasizes relationship with God, and then he emphasizes the relationship that we have with one another. And there seems to be an expectation, not only for Paul's life, but all of those that he's around and for the church there uh, to the Ephesians. And it's an expectation uh, to be in relationship with the Lord and to be in relationship with one another. And there's a calling on us, a calling to be received, where we're called into these relationships. And first and foremost, though, God has to be our authority. He must be our authority. And Paul calls himself here a prisoner. I have personally not been in prison nor jail, I thank the Lord. Uh, and, uh, but think about what it means to be a prisoner. I'm like, wow. Paul was in jail, in prison. And we think about jail, we think of a negative often aspect of that. And, uh, but Paul here uh, is, is a prisoner of the Lord. He certainly knew what it meant to be in prison as he was bound in chains. But Paul was a prisoner of the Lord. He was bound to the Lord. And Paul was a prisoner uh, uh, of Jesus Christ. On behalf of the Gentiles, it says in, in chapter 3, verse 1, It's for this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of the Gentiles. You have heard it, and haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you. He was a prisoner to the Lord. In verse uh, 14 of chapter 3, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every uh, family in heaven and on earth is named. There was, God was his authority, and he was, uh, he was submitted to the Lord in his life. And uh, how many, how many Jim Gores do we have here? Jim Gores? CrossFit? none in here? All right. Okay, we got some in here. Okay. All right, they're like, I have a membership to the gym. I don't necessarily go. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about this passage in submitting to the Lord, um you know when i when i go to the gym uh some t- some days i go and you know i may get on the treadmill or the elliptical and there's just a little bit of working out going on but really my body is not submitting to what my mind is thinking. I'm thinking, I need to get my cardio going. I need to do some weights so that my body submits to my mind so that I see some change in my body shape, and my health, all those things. And uh, when my body is, is taken captive to my mind, okay, and it submits to what I'm wanting it to do, there's real... It, it all comes together, and, and I see things working together, and I see my body become strengthened, and I see my body start to grow, okay? And it becomes healthy, and there's a submitting of my body to my mind, okay? And Paul here is, is submitting to the Lord. He's submitting his life, his body, all that he is to the Lord and following him and being captive uh, to the Lord. And uh, as he is, then there's, there's relationship with the Lord. Okay? And this is where we must walk out our walk together. Okay? We must walk our walk together. In uh, verses 1 th- uh, through 3, it says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Not only was Paul submitting to the Lord, but he was calling the people to be in relationship with one another as they're in relationship with the Lord. And you have been called, each of you has been called to a oneness, to come together, to work together, to serve together, to go together, to live in relationship together. And you think, well, how do I do that? Okay. It takes, okay, as I began with, sometimes we get out of whack with one another, but we have to remember it's with humility and gentleness and patience, accepting one another in love. These are all your best qualities, right? No, not really. They're not necessarily mine. They should be, Okay. He should be, but Paul spends, he spends the rest of Ephesians talking about our relationship, being in relationship with one another, sharing us, with us how to live in relationship with one another. In uh, chapter 4, verse 17, it says, you should no longer live as the Gentiles in the futility of your thoughts. In verse 25 of chapter 4, he says, put away lying, speaking the truth, each one to his neighbor. Okay, there's relationship that's happening. In chapter 5, he talks about being imitators of God. How to live in the light and not in the darkness. He talks about how to live with consistency in the Christian life. He addresses wives and husbands and their relationship with one another. In chapter 6, he addresses children and their parents and how they relate to one another. How we interact in the workplace, our human authority. And then finally, how to put on the full armor of God Amen. for spiritual warfare. Yes, so. Okay, He's showing us. He's guiding us. But this all hinges with the keeping the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The spirit that's working in us. In chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. If we're not, if we're out of whack with one another, that certainly grieves the Holy Spirit. It does. It grieves Him. We don't want to be that way. We want to be in relationship with one another through the bond of peace. Okay? And it only happens through Christ. Bonding to Him. Um, I did automotive paint touch-up for... A lot of years okay and a lot of what I did was uh, fixing bumpers doing touch-up um, but sometimes dealerships would bring me cars where the bumper was split all the way up the back cracked all the way through our portion of it and there's a, um, a putty that we would use that I would use on those bumpers that you put it on there And then there's a catalyst that you mix in with it, okay, before you put it on that it starts heating up. And it solidifies that that putty, okay. So I would take that, mix it, put in that catalyst. It would start to heat up. I would put that on that bumper before I would sand it to bond those two pieces together. I'm telling you what, you could hit your bumper again, but it's not breaking in that spot, it's going to happen somewhere else, okay? But it, it bonded together, but it needed that, that catalyst. And Christ in our life is that catalyst that bonds us all together Amen. in Christ, okay? And that, that shouldn't be broken. He's that bonding agent. Christ is that, that catalyst. His Spirit binds us together, all of us. Because you know what? We're incapable. We're incapable. We We fight. We get hurt feelings, we get jealous, we get prideful, and then we become ineffective for the gospel, Amen. okay? But this is where we're one body. He goes on to talk here in verses four through six. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. That's a lot of ones, okay? One in him. So how can we be one if we're, we're all so diverse? We're all so different, okay? Flip over to Romans chapter 12 real quick. Just go left in your Bible, Okay. And I'm going to read fourth. they probably have just four and five, but I'm going to read through, the, uh, through eight with you. It says, now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in the service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in, exh- in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Okay. Different gifts... He uses us in different ways, but as one, as one body, okay? It's not us or me that brings us or the whole together. It's Christ in one spirit that produces unity. One hope, the eternity that we have through Christ. One Lord, Jesus as the head of the body. One faith, a common belief and teaching. One baptism we just watched provides the evidence that all Christians, without discrimination as to color or race or gender, age, class, we all share in the grace of Christ. It's an identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. One God and Father of all, not many gods. Culture would want to say many, but it's not. It's one God. Amen. Through the Son, through the Father and Son and Spirit, we are one. Again, how do, we, how do we accomplish this? Okay. Second, second thing is God has gifted each of us. He's gifted each of us. In, in uh, verses eight through eleven. It says, for it says, when he ascended on high, he, looked, he took the captives captive. He gave the gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Jump over to... Um, 1 Corinthians 12 also. So turn back in your Bibles, go left. A few pages. In verse 4 through 6, it says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord And there are different activities, but the same God who produces each gift in each person, okay? This is for the benefit. He uses us for the benefit of the whole body to build us up in unity and in love. And some of you may go, I have no clue what my gift is or what my gifting is. But some of you may say, yeah, I know. I know what my gift is. I'm using it. I'm going to use it. I'm plugging in. Okay. And this, again, is where relationship with one another is so important. Amen. Because God uses others in our lives to help us determine what our giftings are and then how to use them. Right? Yes, Lord. Okay. So who do you have in your life That's walking alongside you. That's helping you. That's discipling you. And if you don't have someone, you should. Amen. You should. Because you have a ministry. Right here. It says there are different gifts, but the same spirit, and there are different ministries, but the same Lord. You have a ministry that God wants to use you in. Okay? And this is this is a turning point in our in our walk with the Lord. And this is where we go from seeing, uh, seeing how, how we see ourselves to how God sees us and how He wants to use us. Okay? Because often we have a distorted view of ourselves. Amen. Okay? But He doesn't. He knows us intimately, He has created us, He's gifted us, and He wants to use us in ministry. And our gifts are tools. They're tools in his hands for ministry, for disciple making, for equipping the saints, for building up the body. And this is the process of becoming disciples who become disciple makers. Okay? That we're being discipled, and then we in turn disciple others in our life. Okay? Because every member. Every member is vitally important. Amen. Every member, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. This is a, this is a longer portion, and I'm, I'm going to read it because uh, you're going to see here just how vitally important each member of the body is, okay? It says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body through many are one body, so also in Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not, the sa- is not one part but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, and it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. Did you hear that? Indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which as our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God puts the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body. No division in the body. But that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Do you hear, do you hear the vitally important message that each of us is so important to one another? Amen. So important to one another. As disciples and disciple makers, we are to function as the body. It's all important. And God's called us to be disciples, to be involved, to be in each other's lives. Jesus modeled it, right? Okay? He modeled it. Matthew 4.19. It says, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When he was calling his disciples, he was calling them to follow him, to be changed by him, and to be on mission with him, to be in relationship with them, together, right? In relationship. He invited them, he lifted, he, he lived life with them, and he taught them to do the same thing, to go and do it, okay, to build the church. Here at Bethel, when I first came to Bethel, I met Ted Zimmerman, and he impacted my life in an, a tremendous way, and discipling me, he came alongside me, he walked with me. I needed a Ted Zimmerman in my life. I need a Terry Cooper in my life. I need a Calvin and Judy Hatton in my life. I need a Brian Kimbrell, a Mark Churchwell, a Mike Finley, those that are in my huddle. I need a Ron and Susan Borth. That excitement and joy in the Lord. I need each of you as the body in my life to help me to grow, to challenge me, to speak truth to me, to challenge me, to encourage me, to lift me up in prayer. We all need one another because it shows us here in verses 14 through 16 back in Ephesians that God provides, he provides the avenue for growth. Okay? He provides the avenue for growth. He uses relationships to grow the body. Okay? And that's all done in relationship. There's there's God's part, and I know he's going to do his part, right? Because he's God. Okay? But then I have to do my part. I have to be intentional in that. And then you have to do your part. And you have to be intentional in that with one another. Okay? And as leaders, as pastors, we can't disciple everyone. We can't equip everyone. We can't build everyone up here at Bethel. We all need you as part of the body. Saints and the Lord to work with one another. We can be intentional, and we can provide intentional relationship, relational environments where you can gather we can be intentional about a discipleship process, but this can't happen without you. We need you, the whole body. And this is where community is so important. Community is vitally important to the body. Because it's within the context of community and our community groups where intentional leaders and relational environments are fostering disciple-making relationships around the Word of God. It doesn't get any better than that, at least for me. Learning who God is, who Jesus is with one another, living it out together, it's awesome. Is this not what Jesus... Modeled with his disciples. It's what the New Testament church was doing. Turn to Acts chapter 2. You talk about a membership explosion. Acts chapter 2. Starting with verse 41. It says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Wow. Okay. How do we minister to that many people at one time? Okay. New believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being Uh, performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved." They're being saved, and they plugged them into small groups. Okay. It generalizes a little bit there. But they came, and they, they plugged them in, in the groups, in the home groups. Okay. Community is so vitally important in our lives. It is in community where we follow Jesus together, walking the walk together where we're changed by Jesus together, by his word. It's where we're on mission together, fishing for men, discipling, equipping, building up the body, sharing the gospel. It's a place where we be encouraged, where we can know others and be known by others Feeling connected and having a place to belong. Did you hear hear Susan's message? She found a place to belong. Ron and Susan found a place to belong. Okay, it's where we can go, and when we're gone, we're missed. Hmm. Because you know what. As he provides the avenue, he equips us, he builds us up, unifies, and matures the body. This is the process of discipleship. Remember though, if he calls us, if he calls us in a relationship with him, he's going to do the training. He's going to build us up. He will provide the avenue for growth. The people in your life, the equipping courses, the iron that sharpens iron, as his word says, the maturing. But you know what? It's messy. It's messy. There's a saying in ministry. Here it comes. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. (laughs) Right? It's messy. Life is messy. Relationships are messy. But that's where we have to fight for relationships. Okay? God provides that for us to equip us. We have to remember, though, in those moments, because it's messy. Go back to the word, okay, the truth. We have to remember humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, keeping the unity of the Spirit, okay, because ultimately, God provides the results. He provides the results. He provides stability. In verse 14 through 16, Says then, we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way to Him, into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him the whole body, fitted, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building it up itself in love by the proper working of each individual. Part, each individual part. He says here, no longer little children. Oops. I think I think we spend most of our time living as children. We're adults, okay, but we live our lives like children in our thinking, in our attitudes, and how we live life. Okay, making it about ourselves. But there's an there's an expectation here of growth that's expected and maturing in your faith, okay? And becoming not just children in our faith, but become spiritual parents in our faith where we're reproducing ourselves, not just becoming spiritual adults, but reproducing ourselves as spiritual parents, discipling someone else, okay? Growing in our faith. No more being tossed, right? It says here being tossed, we get tossed by lies, deceit, our own feelings that deceive us. I share this analogy with with folks that I counsel with in in premarital counseling, and I talk about a train, okay? If you think about a train, you have the engine out front. We have some railroad folks here, okay? You have the engine out front, then you have cars in between, right? And then... Sometimes you have you a have caboose at the end, right? Okay? Thinking about a train. And in, in our, in spiritually speaking, okay, and with a train, really, the, the engine should be out front driving the train, right? And spiritually, truth is the engine right here. The truth of his word. This has to be out front Amen. driving the train. So that the circumstances of our life, the cars, are filtered through the truth. Right? Okay. They're filtered through the truth. So that the caboose, my emotions, are correct. The correct emotions are at the end, even though sometimes we're sad, sometimes we're angry, sometimes we're happy because they've been filtered, our circumstances of life have been filtered through the truth, our emotions are in check and they're they're at the end. They're the the caboose. Okay? So when we get in trouble is when our emotions, when the caboose is driving the train. Amen. Because then our circumstances of life are filtered through our emotions and then... Uh, Our life experiences, the things that we go through, they're distorted. They're distorted by our emotions because truth is at the end of the train and our feelings are driving the train, okay? And truth gets put to the back. And then truth becomes our own truth because I'm filtering my life circumstances through my emotions the way that I feel, okay? we gotta get the, we got to get the truth back out front, okay? So the circumstances of our life are filtered through that. And then we're not tossed around, and we become mature in our faith, and we're growing, and we're doing that together, okay? But he also, he provides truth, like we just talked about. We have the Word of God, the owner's manual for life. We all have, drove here, right? Okay? You guys know that you have an owner's manual in your car, in the glove box? You're like, what? We have an owner's manual? (laughs) I never look in the glove box, okay? Each of you has an owner's manual for your car, okay? We have an owner's manual for life right here. There's nothing that you will experience in life that is not in here, either directly or indirectly. It's here. talks about it, okay? Go to it. Allow it to be the foundation of your life, Okay? to filter your life through. But we use it to speak the words of truth, speak the words of truth to one another, to help each other to grow in unity and faith. Okay? But real discipleship, real growth happens, real disciple-making happens in relationship. Okay? And through that, he provides Christ-likeness. He desires for you to be more like him. Okay? Jesus said, come follow who? Me. And I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. It tells us here to grow in every way into he who, to him who is the head, Christ. In Ephesians 5.1, it tells us to be imitators of God, imitators of him. And from him, we come together, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament which promotes growth of the body and building itself up in love. And then ultimately, he provides that life lived together. We need each other. He chooses to use us in each other's lives. I don't understand that, why he does, but he does. He uses us in each other's lives to build us up, to mature us, to become more like him. He does that. He controls that. But it starts with knowing him. And today, if you don't know him, place your faith and your trust in Christ alone and begin that relationship. It's just a matter of talking to him, knowing that you're separated from him, confessing that to him, Asking him to come into your life and to change you, to save you from who you are, and to change you to be like him, and to trust him with all of your life. That's what happened. That's what happened with Susan. She professed it up here, showed you her identity in Christ and her baptism. Put your faith and trust in him today. As the praise team comes, um, we're going to pray in a minute, and then um, I've also provided some community group questions online. You can uh, go uh, from the scripture today, and you can find those on the website under resources, and then go to sermon, and then click on uh, Living Life Together sermon, and those questions will be there for you today. Allow God to speak to your heart during this time, during this song. respond to him. Allow him to convict you, to change you, to be more like him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you and Lord, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I ask that you would speak to us during this time as we sing to you. Lord, there's just not words coming out of our mouth, but the meditation of our hearts to you, a pleasing sacrifice to you. Lord, I pray that if anyone doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today is the day of salvation. They would give their heart to you. First in Jesus' name. Amen.